All right, well, we're there in uh, Genesis chapter number 21, and if you're uh, visiting with us tonight, generally what we do in an evening service is we'll take a portion of Scripture and we'll kind of work through it, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, seeing what we can pick up. And we've been studying through the book of Genesis, specifically through the lives of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And as we've been going through their lives over the last several weeks, we have uh, noticed, we have been dealing with this idea of God promising Sarah and God promising Abraham a son by the name of Isaac. And here in Genesis 21, we have the fulfilling of that promise. If you look at verse number one again, the Bible says, and the Lord visited Sarah. And if you don't mind underlining in your Bible, or if you like to take notes in your Bible, I'd like you to underline this phrase, as he had said. And the Lord did unto Sarah... Underline this phrase, as he had spoken. In this passage, we see a promise that has been talked about a lot through the book of Genesis, and it comes to pass here. It comes to fruition, and through this passage, we can see several things that we can look at in regards to the promises of God, and I'm going to give you several things to consider in regards to the promises that God makes to you and that God makes to me, but I'd like you to notice something that here Abraham received a promise from God, but you know, as New Testament believers, you and I have also received promises from God. Keep your place there in Genesis 21, that's our text for tonight, but go with me to the book of 2 Peter chapter number 1 in the New Testament. If you start at the end of the Bible where the book of Revelation uh, is and you head backwards, you're going to go past the book of Jude, past the books of 3rd, 2nd, and 1st John into the book of 2 Peter. So you got Revelation, Jude, 3rd, 2nd, and 1st John, and 2 Peter. When you get to 2 Peter, do me a favor and put a ribbon or a bookmark or something there because we're going to leave it and we're going to come back to it, all right? So make sure you can get back to 2 Peter. But I want you to notice what 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3 says. 2 Peter 1, 3 says, According as His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to the glory and to, uh, called us, uh, to glory and virtue, notice verse 4, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. See, the Bible tells us in this passage that God has given to you and God has given to me exceeding great and precious promises. Now, I don't have time to go through the entire Bible and, and look at every promise that God has made to us, but I want to highlight several for you and, and just help you, remind you of the promises that God has given us. We sang that song tonight, you know, standing on the promises. And, and you know what? We do stand on those promises. God has given us many promises. Now, don't turn here. If you want a list of promises, I'm going to give you just several promises from the Bible. Maybe you can write these references down and you can study this out later. But let me just give you several promises that God has made to you and I as New Testament believers. God promises, of course, to save you and I if we call on Him by faith. Romans 10, 9, you know the verse, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. But more than that, God promises not only to save us, but He promises to preserve 
us and to keep us and to give us what we call eternal security. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray you, God, your, and I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved, blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. Titus 1.2 says, In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promise before the world began. Jude 1.24 says, Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to preserve you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. So we say that God promises us salvation. God promises us security. God promises to not leave us or to forsake us or to be separated from us once we've been saved. Romans 8.38 says this, For I am persuaded... That neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Hebrews 13.5 says, Let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. God promises to not allow temptations to overwhelm us. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, There hath no temptation taken you but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. God promises to forgive you and to forgive me when we confess our sins. First John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God promises to work things together for good in our lives. In Romans eight twenty eight, he says, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. God promises that you will reap what you sow, whether that's good or bad. Galatians 6, 7 says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. God promises to take care of you financially. Did you know that? He says that he will take care of you financially when you give and support his work. Philippians 4.19 says this, But my God shall supply all your needs according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. God promises to glorify you one day. That body you're in, God, you know, you, you have a body and it gets sick and it gets damaged and it gets uh, uh, tired and, and, and it'll eventually die. But God promises to take that body and glorify it. Philippians 1.6 says, Being confident of this very thing, that He hath, that hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. First uh, Thessalonians 5.23 says, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly and pray God your whole spirit and your soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it first John 3 2 says this beloved now are we the sons of God and it does not yet appear what we shall be but we know that when he shall appear we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is so God gives us many promises He says he's going to preserve your body. He says he's going to preserve your soul. He says he's going to preserve your spirit. He says he's going to take care of you. He says he's not going to leave you. He's not going to forsake you. And that's just, you know, that's just probably the, the, I just sat down and thought, you know, what are some promises, famous promises of Scripture? I mean, we could probably go through and come up with a list of a hundred promises, a thousand promises that God has made to you and I. Go back to Genesis 21. 
But I want you to understand that when we're talking about promises, this applies a lot to us because God has made many promises to you and God has made many promises to me. And you could probably sit there and give me some promises that I didn't mention and say, well, there's this promise that God made and there's that promise that God made. But here's what I want you to understand. When God makes a promise, it's as good as done. Are you there in Genesis 21? Look at verse 1. And the Lord visited Sarah as he said. Once God said it, it was done. And the Lord did unto Sarah as he had spoken. Now I'd like you to go with me to the book of Romans. In the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. In Romans chapter 4, we find the, a passage that is uh, speaking to us about this event that took place with Abraham and Sarah where they received a, the son of promise. And notice what the Bible says in Romans chapter 4. Now, I think you have your place in 2 Peter, right? But go ahead and keep your place in Romans 4 because we're going to leave it and come back to it also. So make sure you can get to Romans 4 and also to the book of 2 Peter. Notice what Romans 4 and verse 17 says. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. This is uh, in reference to Abraham. Before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead. Now, notice what this says. You, you, you know, underline this in your Bible. And call it, notice what the Bible says. And calleth those things which be not as though they were. Do you see that? The Bible is telling us here that when God makes a promise, when God gives his word, when God says that something will happen, he begins to call and refer to those things which be not, or those things which have not yet happened, as though they were. Here's what he's saying. When God says he's going to do something, it's as good as done. He said, you don't have to worry about, you know, is that really going to come to pass? Is God really going to take care of this? Is God really going to do that for me? When God gives his word, you can count on it. You can take it to the bank. uh, If he said it, it will happen. He called those things which be not as though they were. Look at verse 18. Who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations. Notice, according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. Now, let me give you an example of this. Well, go, go to the book of 2 Corinthians. We're going to look at a lot of passages tonight, just kind of look at a bunch of uh, 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 things about uh, promises here. You're there in Romans, so you're going to go past 1 Corinthians into 2 Corinthians. And don't worry, I, I, I know the pizza's coming, so I, I won't be very long, okay? 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Cor- but I, I got to make you earn it, you know what I mean? I can't just get you, give you pizza. Uh, we we got to look at the Bible too. 2 Corinthians 1, look at verse 18. Notice what the Bible says. 2 Corinthians 1 and verse 18, the Bible says this, But as God is true, our word toward you was not yea and nay. Here's what he's saying. When God makes a promise, it's not like, yeah, maybe. You know how sometimes your kids say, can we do And you're like, yeah, maybe, you know, maybe yes, maybe no, we'll see. God's not that way. He, said, he says, look, God is true. Our word toward you was not... Yea and nay, for the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, even by me and Silvanus and Timotheus, was not yea and nay, but in him was yea. For all the promises of God in him are yea, and in him, amen, unto the glory of God by us. He says, look, when God makes a promise, it's not like, we'll see. It's not like, let's hope that happens. He says, look, it's not, yeah, maybe yeah, maybe no. It's yea, when he says it, it's done. Go to Ephesians chapter number 2. You're there in 2 Corinthians. You're going to go past Galatians into the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2. Let me give you an example of this. How God calls those things 
which be not as though they were. In Ephesians chapter 2, you got 2 Corinthians, you got Galatians. Ephesians chapter 2, look at verse 5. I'd like you to see this. This is an interesting passage in Scripture. Ephesians chapter 2, look at verse 5. The Bible says this. Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace are ye saved. Notice verse 6. And hath raised us up together. Now notice what it says here. And made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now did you notice what Paul just said there? He said, God hath made us. Paul's talking about himself and the church at Ephesus. He's saying, God hath made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Paul's saying, right now we are sitting in heaven. We're sitting in heavenly places. Now, you and I would say, would say well, Paul, how are you sitting in heavenly places? You're, you're, you're writing the book of Ephesians. You're, you're talking to people that are there sitting with you. And, and here's what I'm trying to tell you. Uh, I'm telling you, those of you sitting in this room, right now, you are sitting in heavenly places. That's what Paul's talking about. You say, well, how can that be? Because when God gives his word, it's as good as done. In fact, he just, when, when he says, you know, when he says, I'm going to save you, when he says, I'm going to give you eternal life, he, he begins to speak of you as if it's already happened. He says it's, it's like you're already in heaven. He says he's calling those things which be not as though they were. That's why this idea of like losing your salvation is so ridiculous. Because you got, you got Christians today that say, well, you can call upon Jesus in faith and he will save you right then. But if you don't live a good life or if you mess up or if you walk away, he's going to take away your salvation. No, God says it's already, it's done. God says it's as good as done. In fact, when you get saved, he just starts having a conversation with you in heaven. You say, well, I'm not there yet. But God says you will be. It's as good as done. He calleth those things which are not as though they were. Paul said, we're already sitting in heavenly places. God says, Paul says, we're already in heaven. Because here's what you need to understand about God's promises. When God makes a promise, it's as good as done. The Bible tells us there about Sarah, that God visited Sarah as he had said. And there should have never been any doubt about that. That he gave her a son as he had commanded. Go back to Genesis 21. Genesis 21. Now make sure you can keep, keep your place there in 2 Peter. And also, uh, what was the other reference I told you? Romans 4. 2 Peter and Romans 4. Go back to Genesis 21. So the first lesson we get from, about promises is this. When God makes a promise, it's as good as done. You can take that thing to the bank. You can cash that check. You can count on that. Number two, when God makes a promise, it's always on time. When God makes a promise, it's always on time. Now, here's what you need to understand. It's always on time, even when it's not on our timing. In Genesis 21 and verse 2, notice what, Sarah, what the Bible says. For Sarah conceived and bare Abraham a son in his old age. Now, look, if you would have asked Abraham, if you would have asked Sarah, you, they would have said God's, God's late on his promise. In fact, they got themselves into a lot of trouble because they kept thinking, God's not on time. we got to help God. Remember the whole thing with Hagar? Remember the whole thing about Ishmael? Remember the whole thing about let's help God? And all, all of the different references to them laughing at God. And we'll look at that uh, another week. And all those references of doubting God's promises. But listen to me. The Bible says here that in Genesis 21, look at verse 2. It says, For Sarah conceived and bare Abraham a son in his old age. Notice what it says. At the set time of which God had spoken to him. 
See, if you would have asked Sarah, you would have said, Sarah would have said, well, God, you're, you're late on this. You took longer than you should have. Abraham would have said, God, you're late on this. But you know what? God did it exactly at the right timing, exactly at the right place. And when God makes a promise to you and when God makes a promise to me, we need to remember that whenever that promise comes to pass, it's on time, even when it's not in our timing. Even when we think it should have came earlier. Even when we think it should have happened sooner. Even when we think that God may have forgotten or God may have got uh, 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 confused or God may have got distracted. It's always on God's timing. It's always as good as done. Go to 2 Peter chapter 3. Did you keep your place there? 2 Peter chapter 3. There's a promise that God has made that uh, we're given an example here in 2 Peter 3. That people will say, God forgot about. 2 Peter chapter 3, look at verse 3. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 3, notice what the Bible says. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers. What are scoffers? People who are mocking or doubting. People who are casting doubt upon something. Walking after their own lust and saying, here's what the scoffers are saying. Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep... All things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. You have scoffers here in 2 Peter saying, Well, didn't, Jesus, didn't God promise he was going to come back? Didn't Jesus promise he was going to come back? Well, where is his coming? Where is the promise of his coming? They're saying, Nothing has changed, everything's the same. All things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. Skip down to verse 8. The Bible says, but beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. Here's what it's saying. It doesn't make a difference to God if he has to wait a thousand years or if he has to wait uh, 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 one day. It's the same to him because he's eternal. Do you understand that? See, you and I get all impatient. We say, God, we need a building right now. You know, at least that's what I say. You know, God, we, we need you to come through right now. We need you to do this. I mean, you don't care. You're like, whatever, Pastor. It'll, it'll be fine. We're standing on the promises of God, right? Amen. We say, hey, God, you know, you need to come through. You need to do it. But see, we always want God to do it in our timing. We want him to give us that ministry in our timing. We want him to give us that uh, marriage in our timing. We want him to give us that family in our timing. But listen to me. God's timing is always right. Amen. And Isaac here was given at the exact right time when God had decided it should happen. Look at verse 9, 2 Peter chapter 3, look at verse 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. The word slack there, you, you and I would use the word slacker. You know, some of you are slackers. I mean, you, you don't do your work. You're lazy, right? He says, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. See, sometimes, see, people say, well, why doesn't God come already? Why doesn't he just end this thing already? You know, it's already, it's gotten so bad, you know. I mean, it's all, it, 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 it's the, the, the opposition, we talked about this morning, the opposition is great. Why doesn't he just, just end this thing now? But listen to me, God is long-suffering because he wants more people saved. He's long-suffering because he's trying to give people the opportunity to hear the gospel. He's trying to give people the opportunity. He's long-suffering to us, not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. So we see, number one, when God makes a promise, it's as good as done. And when God makes a promise, it's always on time. Even, even when it's not on our timing, it's always right. God's always, he's never late. 
He's always there exactly when he needs us to be. Go back to Genesis 21. Let me give you a third thought on this idea of promises. Genesis 21, look at verse 3. And Abraham called the name of his son that was born unto him, whom Sarah bare to him, Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac, being eight days old, as God had commanded him. And Abraham was a hundred years old. Can you imagine that? Being a hundred years old and having a son? That's pretty old. When his son Isaac was born unto him. And Sarah said, God hath made me to laugh, so that all that hear will laugh with me. Because remember, when God told Abraham that he was going to give him a son, what did Abraham do? He laughed. And when God told Sarah that he was going to give her a son, what did Sarah do? She laughed. And that was a laugh of scorn. That was a laugh of mockery. Here, God gives them this son Isaac, and the name Isaac means laughter. And she's saying, God hath made me to laugh so that all that hear will laugh with me. And listen to me, God can take our laugh of scorn and our laugh of sarcasm and our laugh of unbelief and turn it into a laugh of joy that his promises came through and that he did exactly what he said he'd do. Look at verse 7. And she said, who would have said unto Abraham that Sarah have given children suck? For I've borne him a son in his old age. Did you keep your place in Romans? Go back to Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. Let me give you the third point. Number three is this. When God makes a promise, it doesn't have to be logical. Sometimes God makes promises that don't make sense on paper. Sometimes God makes promises that don't really make sense. You know, eternal security doesn't make sense to a lot of people. A lot of people think, well, how, how can it be that I, I could uh, call upon Jesus in faith and salvation and then walk away from church, not live for God, go live in sin, and how could it be that, that, that God would continue to save me? Now, there's answers for all those questions, and, and we can preach that. But listen to me. Even if it doesn't make sense, it doesn't have to make sense. If God promised it, it's as good as done. And here God promised a 100-year-old man and a 90-year-old woman that they would have a son and she would be able to uh, uh, feed that child and nurse that child. And, and Sarah says, who would have ever thought that? Who would have ever said that? Anyone who would have ever said, Sarah will give Abraham a son in his old age, she would have laughed at. Look at Romans 4, verse 19. And being not weak in faith, and being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about an hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He said, God is highlighting the fact that Abraham lived in faith and, and, and he did not consider, he did not think about, he did not logic with the fact that his own body was dead and that Sarah's uh, womb was, was dead. Sarah had already passed the age of giving birth, but even when Sarah was a young woman, she was not able to get pregnant. Even when Sarah was a young woman, she was barren, and her womb was not able to give life. But when God told Abraham, I'm going to give you a son, the Bible says that he was not weak in faith. He considered not his own body, now dead, when he was about 100 years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. Notice verse 20, he staggered not, means he didn't get tripped up, he didn't, he, didn't, he didn't, you know, uh, uh, get messed up on this. He, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. 
See, whenever you and I doubt God, what we're doing is we're just not living in faith. We're not practicing faith. We're living in unbelief. But was notice, strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded that he, that he uh, had promised he was able also to perform. Here's what he said. He said, look, God made a promise, and it doesn't have to make sense. It doesn't have to be logical. It can defy logic to say, to say that a 100-year-old man and a 90-year-old woman are going to give birth does not make any logical sense. But, God, but Abraham said, if God said it, I believe it. If God said it, it's as good as done. If God said it, it'll happen. He said, the Bible says he staggered not at the promises of God through unbelief. Now, let me give you a very practical application to this. Go, go to the book of Malachi, Malachi chapter 3. Because, you know, something that you and I often struggle with is with this idea of finances. And what's interesting about finances is that one of the clearest promises that God gives us in the Bible deals with finances. But you and I, you know, we, we will sit there and say, you know, we'll, I'll ask you a question. Do you believe that the King James Bible is the Word of God? And you'll say, Amen. And we'll say, do you believe that God wants to save you by faith without works? And you'll say, Amen. And you'll say, do you believe that God will promise to keep you secure and keep you within uh, his salvation and not lose you and not forsake you? And you and I will say, amen. And we'll say, do you want to trust that God, that God that you trust with your eternity? Do you want to trust him with your finances? And we'll say, oh, me. (laughs) I don't know about that. I mean, heaven and hell. I mean, I'll I'll, I'll bet on God on on where I'm going to spend eternity. But my rent? But my money, do you see how silly that is? Malachi chapter 3. Look at verse 10. It should be fairly easy to find. Last book in the Bible. Malachi chapter 3. Malachi chapter 3 and verse 10. Notice what the Bible says. need to get there myself. Malachi chapter 3 and verse 10. Bring ye all the tithes. What's the tithe? 10%. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house. Now look, you say, Pastor, you're preaching on tithing. I'm not trying to beat you up, all right? Look, I'm trying to let you have some insight into a promise that God makes. Actually, look at verse 8. Will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. But ye say, wherein have you robbed me? In tithes and offerings. He said, ye are cursed with a curse, for ye have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring in all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house. And by the way, you know, and I, I mentioned this before, and let me, let me say this. I'm not preaching on this because we're struggling financially, all right? We're not struggling financially. We're fine, all right? The, you, you know, if we were struggling financially, I wouldn't have ordered 20 or 25 pizzas or however many, people, how many pizzas they, they ended up getting, okay? I'm just preaching this because it, it falls in the context of trusting God and His promises. But notice, He says, Bring you all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in mine house. And then he says this, and prove me now herewith. He says, I want you. It's interesting because, uh, I, I mean, I've read the Bible cover to cover many times. And as far as I can tell, this is the only time in Scripture that God puts a challenge out. God gives you a dare. He says, I dare you. He, said, I, he says, I double dog dare you to try me out on this. Notice what he said. He says, prove me this day he said, prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruit of your ground. Neither shall your vine 
cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. Here God says, look, if you are faithful in your tithes and in your offerings, he says, I promise, he said, I promise that I will open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that ye cannot contain. He said, I promise that I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. He says, I promise that it will work out in your favor. He says, I promise. In fact, he says, prove me. I dare you. And you and I will stagger at that promise in unbelief. And here's what people will say. They'll say, well, Pastor Jimenez, it just doesn't make sense on paper. If I give 10% to God, I'm not going to be able to do X, Y, and Z. And look, maybe you don't have to go to Starbucks every day. You know, maybe you don't have to rent an Amazon video every night. You know what I mean? Like, maybe you don't have to. There's some things that you can cut out and just honor God with your finances. And now, look, if, you could, if you're tithing and paying your bills and going to Starbucks every day, more power to you. Pick me up something while you're there. <laughs> but but, uh, but, but if you, you, you're, you're robbing from God, sometimes we rob from God to be able to do some things that are not really a need in our lives. And, and people will say, well, Pastor, I can't tithe. That doesn't make sense logically. I mean, on paper, then they'll say, they'll say, look, look at my budget. Here's how much I make, and here's this, and here's that, and here's that, and here's that. And look, it doesn't make sense. But listen to me. When God makes a promise, it doesn't have to make sense. Does it make sense for a 100-year-old man to give, to give life? Does it make sense for a 90-year-old woman to give birth? There's been so many times, God, one of the things I'm so thankful for that happened in my life when we were growing up is from a very young age, my mom and dad taught us to tithe. And we would go off to work with my dad, and we worked, you know, real hard. We're nine years old, and we're, you know, working with him and bringing him tools and putting in nails, and I'm sure it was more, more playing than working. And we worked 12 hours, you know, and we get our $20 bill. I don't think that was legal, but that's just how it worked out. <laughs> and we were taught, you know, two of, that, two of those dollars belong to God. You know, from a very young age, we were taught to just give the tithe to God. And, you know, I, that's not something I've ever struggled with. I'm not telling you I'm perfect. I've got all sorts of other things I struggle with, but I've never had to struggle with giving. And here's what I can tell you. I'm not very smart. I don't make a lot of money. I've never been really successful, but God has always taken care of us. And, and, and here's the funny thing. There's been times, and you can ask my wife, there's been times when I go to my wife with a piece of paper and I say, it just doesn't make sense. I don't know how we paid our bills. I, don't, I can't figure it out. I mean, and I will literally go through the online banking and go back through every transaction and go, and I'm just like, I, can't, I, don't, I don't know where the money came from. And sometimes I know where the money came from, but it's not that we, were, we weren't expecting that. or we were. And I'm just telling you this, when you honor God, you say, you, sometimes you just got to take that step of faith and say, well, God, you said to do it. You told us to do it. You said you'd take care of it. You said you'll supply all our needs according to your riches and glory. You, when you said you would take care of us financially, it's as good as done. I don't see how it's going to work out, but I'm just going to trust you with it. And God will take care of him. And God will take care of you. And we have to learn to trust. See, when God makes a promise, go to 2 Timothy chapter 1. We'll finish up. 2 Timothy chapter 1. I saw all the ushers rush to the break room, so I'm guessing they're all eating pizza now. <laughs> Second Timothy, I'm just kidding. I'm sure they're setting up. 2 Timothy chapter 2. We don't finish this thing soon. There'll be nothing for us. 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy. Did I say 2 Timothy chapter 2? I meant 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. What can we learn about promises? Here we can learn. Number one, when God makes a promise, it's as good as done. He, God refers to, he calleth those things which be not as though they were. You can take that to the bank. You can count on it. 
it's as good as done. When God makes a promise, it's always on time. And there will be scoffers who will say, well, where, are the pro- where is the promise of His coming? But you know what? God can take His time and always make it happen at the right time. And number three, when God makes a promise, it can defy logic. It doesn't have to work on on paper. It doesn't have to make sense. If He says it, it's good. Second Timothy chapter 1, look at verse 12. We'll finish up right here. Second Timothy 1, 12, the Bible says this. For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. Now notice what Paul says. He says, for I know, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. Here's a question I have for you. Do you believe that? When God makes a promise, are you persuaded that he is able to keep that? Are you persuaded that he's able? See, there's all sorts of promises in Scripture. We doubt our salvation. I don't know why. God made a promise. God says he'll take care of you. God says he won't forget. We'll we'll go through trials and tribulations. We'll go through dark times in our lives, and we'll say, has God forsaken me, or where's God? Why doesn't God come through? But you know what? He told me he would be with me. He told me he would not leave me nor forsake me. Why do we doubt that? Do you believe God at his promises when he says that he is able to, when Paul said here that he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day? The promises of God. We've been given great promises. We've been given many promises. He's given us exceeding great and precious promises. Let's take advantage of those promises by faith. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord.